All right, we'll go ahead and get started this morning. Um, this week on Jeremiah 11. Um, last week, um, as you guys know, we focused on the idolatry of Judah pretty extensively. And as a result, I pray that uh, we've all been kind of examining our own lives and our own hearts, seeing in our own heart places that we need to be destroying idols in our own life and praying to God to help us with that. But this one goes to a different place, and I wanted to start out with kind of a little side note that um, I'm interested in. I think it's, I think it's kind of fun. Uh, who likes conspiracy theories? I, I love them. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I just, I do. Mostly because I find them really funny to think, to see how these people can come up with this crazy idea of how something happened that has nothing to do uh, with reality. Um, some, though, seem to have merit sometimes if you, if you look at them. Like, one of the big ones is the Kennedy assassination. You know, there's so many different theories, and there's some theories that I think have a little bit of merit. I'm like, wow, that could have happened. Um, Another one that some of you may not be aware of is the Beatles' Paul is Dead conspiracy has always interested me that says that Paul McCartney actually died in a car crash very early in the Beatles' career and they replaced him with another guy. And I've always said that if that's true, they found a much better Paul than the original because that dude wrote some songs and can sing his, his, his lungs out. But I've always kind of enjoyed those things. I've always thought that they were kind of fun. But there have been some conspiracies within history that have been proven to be true. Um, big one, Watergate. You, you, got, you, you folks who uh, were live during that time, you, you saw that. You saw that play out before your eyes. It started out, that was a conspiracy. Well, then the next thing you know, all the evidence shows, well, yeah. Uh, a more recent one is the NSA data collection. A lot of people said that was a conspiracy, that the NSA was listening to everybody. Well, guess what? We found out it was true. They were. They were collecting our data. Believing and becoming obsessed with, though, uh, false conspiracies and false conspiracy theories is not a good thing because it can take you down rabbit holes you don't need to go down, take you out of reality into falsehood. But uh, there is something worse than that, and that is ignoring and not believing a true conspiracy. And that, you may ask, how does that apply to what we're fixing to study in Jeremiah. Well, I'm glad you asked that because the main idea of our chapter here is that we fight conspiracy by listening to the covenant. Because in our lives, there is a conspiracy at work at all times. Um, we all desire good and the truth. I think we all truly have great intentions to desire those things. Yet, there seems to be something warring inside of all of us. Even though we want to do good, and we want to seek the truth and seek the best things, there's always that thing warring inside of us, and that is us. We're the, we're the issue most of the time. Um, if, if, if you question that, I think we can go to... Scripture and see it very clearly in Romans 7, Romans 7, 14 through 24, Brother Kelby and I both preached on this some years back. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. 
For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the, for the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God and the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? So we see in Paul that war, the desire to do good, but then the times where he sins instead. And I think that's the conspiracy at work in all of our lives. The flesh is always conspiring against the things of God in our lives. Thank goodness for the Holy Spirit, right? That we have Him in us helping to sanctify us in these times. But to go through this, I think we're going to see basically application throughout it. Um, because He gives us some great principles as, as we go through this chapter. We, we see some great principles for application on, on, on fighting against that conspiracy in our lives. So how do we fight against this conspiracy? I think first and foremost, and the most important, is um, listen to your God. Verses 1 through 5 are kind of clear on that. I want to read you verses 2 and 3 real quick. It says, Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Curses the man who does not heed the words of this covenant. God is clearly saying in these two verses, one word so loudly to me and to all of us, listen. Listen to what I have to say. We, in our church, we put all of our stock in the fact that this is God's word, and this is what he has said. And he doesn't need to say anything else through anybody else. He can speak to us through his word, right? His word will stand forever. And he points them at this time to the word. Saying, listen, heed the words of the covenant. Listen to these words. Um. Stephen Smith said, responding to the spoken word is responding to God. At this time, they're receiving the spoken word here, and they're responding. They need to respond to that. Verse 4, it says, Which I commanded your forefathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Listen to my voice and do according to all which I command, so you shall be my people, and I will be your God. So, the spoken word of that day 
thanks be to God, it is our written word that we have today. We have it in our hands, and, and we need to listen to what God says over what culture says or society says or, or fads or all these waves that, that have seemed to mess with the mind of the Christian so long, right? We need to, to, to value what God says over all those other things. And God speaks to us through his word always. And the greatest way that he spoke to us through his word is in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We see the, the gospel testaments of Christ clearly revealed. And in this, we see God made flesh, right? We see Jesus Christ. He communicated and revealed the Father to us more clearly than any other representation that we've ever seen. Through Christ, we see God. And if we, we see those things, then in Him, we can see God clearly, right? We can see Him very clearly. And ignoring Christ and His Word is a terrible thing. Um, to ignore the Word is to ignore God. And that's why it's, it's such a dangerous life to live, to, to not dig into your Word in some, in some way, to, to read. Now, many people study the Word in different ways. Some people would do a chapter a day. Some people would take a few verses and maybe study it out more. Some people uh, read the Bible in a year. Those ways are the ways that we are getting into His Word. We're listening to Him. We're not ignoring the actual words He's said to us. And if we're not ignoring the actual words He's said to us, then we are not ignoring Him. We are hearing what He has to say to us because He said it in His Word. Now, I love Jeremiah's response. It's in verse 5. It says, In order to confirm the oath which I swore to your fathers, I give them a land flowing with milk and honey as it is this day. And that's where God stopped speaking. And then Jeremiah said, he said, Then I said, Amen, O Lord. Jeremiah was in agreement with that. Jeremiah said, I must listen to my God. This people must listen to our God. Now, another step to take to avoid to try and defeat the conspiracy in our lives and how he was trying to show these people, these, this, this people who had gone into idolatry and all these things, how he was trying to show them to avoid this conspiracy against them was to look to your past. Verses 6 through 8 talk a lot about uh, how God has warned them repeatedly throughout their, their lives, right? He, God used warnings throughout the history of his children, constantly warning them. Since he saved them out of Egypt, he's had to warn them repeatedly, listen to me, not to these others, not to this other thing, not to these idol worshipers, not to these Baal worshipers, not to these things. Don't listen to them. Listen to me. And he's warned them. If you don't, bad things happen. And guess what? Throughout history, when they didn't listen, what happened? Bad things, right? That's just how it was. So, what was amazing about that, though, is the fact that God stayed patient with them, that even though he'd warned them, they wouldn't listen, 
this judge would have to get them out of the situation, right? Th throughout Judges, you see it constantly. They'd get in a mess. A judge would be raised up. He'd get them out of the mess. That judge would die. They'd get back in the mess. They'd have to raise up another judge or another king, another leader, another this. And it, it was throughout history, yet he stayed so patient with them. And, and he, is, he is ultimately patient. He has more mercy than any. Now, the preacher, what Brother Kelby and I do, is we must help our congregations look to those times in the past that God has been faithful throughout, throughout Scripture and even maybe a reminder of yourself throughout your life. How has God, God has been so faithful to you? How, how has he been faithful? And if we see those things and we see that that can help us to advance forward. Jeremiah is doing his best to get them to look at their past right now. Verses 7 and 8 says, For I solemnly warned your fathers in the day that I brought them up from the land of Egypt, even to this day, warning persistently, saying, Listen to my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked each one in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore I brought them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. He's saying, look to your past. How has not listening to me affected you? You failed, you've been taken, you've been slaughtered, you've been constantly moved out of the, the land that's yours and then had to come back and then gone back and had to be rescued by kings. And We should look at times in our past as well. You know, for us, we may see God's grace in so many situations in our lives where we could, it could have gone a lot worse or it could have been terrible or times maybe when it was terrible. As we look back and we see those things and we see God's grace through it, it may help us to avoid the pitfalls of the future, right? Yet, for Judah, there's a much different result. You see, looking to their past, they see the failings, and they need to understand that if they can't get this thing straight, they need to fear their future. God already knows they're not going to get it straight, and they're going to be taken into captivity, right? So the third way is to fear your future. Now, for us, there's a different connotation. For this case, I'm gonna get, we're going to get through what happens here. Then we're going to get to what happens for us, right? Chapters nine, uh, verses 9 through 23 teach uh, Judah very clearly, they better fear the future because it's not going to be good. Verse 9 reveals that there is a conspiracy. So verse 9 says, The Lord said to me, A conspiracy has been found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Notice he didn't give some outside enemy. Uh, the devil gets no credit here, right? Who is the enemy here? Who's the conspirator? Men of Judah. Inhabitants of Jerusalem. Your very own people. There's a conspiracy within them. It's not clear. It's not really made clear, like not specifically laid out, like this is the conspiracy, right? But it seems clear that 
Josiah's efforts to re return God's law to the people um, are not having a real effect on some of them. Otherwise, Jeremiah would not have been called out to be a prophet and have to say the things he has to say. So some of the things, the efforts that Josiah is giving to give the people of the law and, and give them the covenant back and let them return to what is right, it's not working for everybody. And God desire, he doesn't want to just get rid of those conspirators. He wants to change their hearts because of his mercy and his justice is coming. And his justice is going to have the effect of turning the people's hearts back to himself. That's what the effect is going to be. Now, there is also revealed in this section that there's a plot against Jeremiah. There's people that want to kill him. And judgment's coming for them too. You see, Jeremiah stands in a place that... Um, Many preachers of the gospel in our day kind of stand in. Not, not, I wouldn't say not necessarily to the effect of danger of their very own life, but many preachers who get up and preach a true gospel, who preach expositorily through the word of God, we stand in a place sometimes that um, it's not popular. And uh, some people would, would, would push against. I've, in, my, in my past, I've, I've had people push against it. And that's a place that you have to stand. And what we have to understand is Jeremiah is not coming at these people in a place of hate. He is the mouthpiece of God, and God is showing his love to this people by saying, I'm going to turn your hearts to me, and it's going to be through this discipline, this time of judgment that I'm bringing towards you. And the people of Judah have much to fear in this. They need to fear their future because it's going to be bad, right? They're going to come in, sweep in, and they're going to take them. And as we look at that, that maybe should turn our hearts towards the lost, right? Because they have much to fear. So if I was to take this, and I was to put it into three points of application, as, as we can see that these people need to listen to their God, they need to look to their past, and they need to fear their future, I would say there's three points of application for us because we have Christ that are just a little different. But yet, they apply here. The first is, of course, and what's wonderful about this point is that it's not just me and Brother Kelby in this church that preach this. It's the core group of our church preaches this. We must stay in his word. We must trust his word, and we must read it and stay in it. It's how we know our God. It's how he tells us everything about himself. And, and we, and this, this is a harsh statement to some, but I think if we look at the at what God says, I don't think uh, there's any untruth to it at all. I think it's a true statement, even if it does sound harsh. We cannot say we are his people and neglect his word to us. How do we know we're his people if we neglect his word? His people will love his word, right? He says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. They're not going to listen to anybody else, right? The second thing is that we 
in fighting the conspiracy in our own hearts at times, the flesh that we fight, we reflect on God's mercy. He has saved us from sin. And He has made us sons and daughters. And Christ did that work completely for us. Absent of any help from us, He did the work, right? And we have the promised Holy Spirit living within us, sanctifying us, helping us with our flesh, right? Uh, one thing I've said, uh, I was talking to somebody the other night. We were sitting on my back porch, and we were talking about um, assurance. And we're talking about that, that struggle that we have, like, I mess up. I feel terrible. And I pray to God to forgive me, and I move forward, and, and, then, and, and there's, there's that struggle. So he, he was having some trouble with his assurance. I said, brother, that is assurance. If there is no struggle with sin, you're not alive. You're dead. If there's struggle with sin, guess what? You're alive. You're living. God is working in your heart. That's assurance. Because we are preserved forever by Christ because he did the work and we didn't. If we did the work, would we be, would we be preserved forever? No, because tomorrow I'm going to fail. And guess what? i got to start all over again. But Christ has done the work, so I don't have to do that. I lean in on him. I run to him for mercy, and he gives it freely because of who he is. And the third thing, we know the third thing for Judah was that they needed to fear their future. For us, we need to take joy in our future and help others to see the truth so they don't have to fear their future. God is going to bring us to himself complete because of one thing, Christ Jesus. Christ is a great Savior, and he did his work completely. He didn't leave anything to be done. It's done. You're going to be brought to Christ, glorified, free from sin in that moment when you face him, when you see him face to face. And we will, we will, you individually will see Christ face to face one day. And those not in Christ have a very different fate. And they need to hear the gospel. So I think in that, the, the points that we see of application, what's so great about this is that, of course, a word focus, a focus on God's mercy and grace, and a great joy and peace in our future. And that's going to lead us to want to tell others about that, right? And that's why we have a gospel-preaching church, and we have gospel-preaching members of our church. So next week, we're going to just keep on going. We're going to do chapter 12 for next week.